All right, welcome back to Preachers in the Truth. Reverend Jacob Walker here with Reverend Mikey Smith. Uh, we know it's been a while. Uh, we've had some things come up. There's been a lot going on, but we're back in the swing of things today. So uh, we're going to start off like we always do. Uh, Brother Mikey, you open us up with a word of prayer. Yep. Dear Holy Father, Lord God, thank you for all that you've done for us, Lord. Thank you for your mercy and your grace, Lord, that you bestowed upon us. Lord God, we ask you to bless this podcast. We ask you to bless those, Lord, that are listening to it, Lord. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' precious name, we ask these things. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to go ahead and get started here. You know, we talked about the crucifixion, we talked about the resurrection, and we've been talking about how, you know, eternal salvation and God being the true God and everything and who he said he was in that. And going on to that, we wanted to start talking about the laws, the old laws and the laws that Christ fulfilled. Because remember, he said he came to fulfill the law, not Mm -hmm. to destroy it. Right. And we're going to talk about that, but, uh, we're kind of, we're going to be weaning into that, but there's something that came up that I want to kind of talk about. It's been on my mind in that, and I actually thought I was going to preach it on Sunday, but we're doing it in the podcast. So (laughs) I guess that's how things work. Uh, (laughs) there's, there's been a lot going on, especially in our country, the United States, which is a majority of our listeners. Right. Um, you've got the Roe versus Wade thing going on, uh, You know, there's actually, I've been told that churches have been vandalized over this whole thing. It hasn't even been ruled on yet. Uh, So, you know, we're going crazy over something that hasn't even happened yet. Uh, Then you got inflation. You got gas prices are record high. Uh, Inflation's record high, too. Inflation's record high. You've got... Eggs are the highest they've ever been. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm looking at buying chickens just, you know, to be able to have <laughs> eggs. Uh, of course, by that time, by the time I get chickens, they'll probably up the price of chicken feed. So, oh, yeah. It, it, it feels like it's a lose lose situation, no matter which way you turn in today's time. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we're all going through struggles. We're all going through, even myself, I've, you know, how do I want to say it? I've asked God a lot of questions and things, and I've let things, you know, interrupt my studies. I've let things interrupt my daily walk, so to speak. And I was sitting in the bed last night, uh, of course, telling myself I'm going to go to bed early because I got to work in the morning, which I never do. And again, follow the routine, 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. And I'm sitting there thinking about verses in the Bible, and this verse came to me. And it made a lot of sense because with everything that's going on in the world today, us as God's people, his chosen people, we're a peculiar people, which means we're different than everything else. We're looked at differently. Uh, People actually, you know, they, they question how we can be so positive and, you know, not worrying about the things going on. And more and more, I see Christians that are falling away from this. And so maybe this, you know, podcast will give you a little bit of encouragement with what we're going to talk about. But, you know, as a Christian, I can't tell you that you weren't given a spirit of fear and then have fear myself. Right. I can't tell you to trust in God and then doubt in myself. I have to reflect that and I have to understand that, you know, hardships are going to come. It's just the facts of life. 
God said it rains, or Job said it, but it's in the Bible with God and that. Uh, it rains on the just and the unjust. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Christ said we're going to be persecuted. Mm-hmm. He said we're going to go through trials and tribulations. Yeah, counted for sheep for the slaughter, too. Exactly. So why do we let all of this get to us? We know it's going to happen, and it's because us as Christians— have, if you go over into, I believe it's the second chapter of Revelations, he's talking to the church at that point, but it stands out. And he says, I have somewhat against you, and I'm paraphrasing here, uh, I have somewhat against you because you've left your first love. And you might be sitting here listening to this and thinking, well, I'm you know, trying to live a godly life, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. I want to put that into perspective, and it's going to go into with what I'm reading. Leaving your first love isn't just, you know, completely walking away as a Christian. Sometimes we allow things to interfere in our lives, which interfere directly with our relationship with Christ, who is our first love. And these are things that as Christians, we need to get rid of. And with what I'm going to read here, you got to understand that you don't even have to worry about them. Mm -hmm. See, Christ said to cast all your cares and worries on him. All you who are weak and heavy laden, you know, I will give you rest. Exactly. I will give you rest. So, you know, and this is where we need to be because right now the world is at a point where it's searching for something, you know, and I'm not talking about food or uh, baby formula. That's a big one going on right now and stuff like that. They're seeking for peace in their lives through this storm because that's what we're in right now we're in a storm yeah and the only peace that you can find is with christ and as christians we need to display this and live it because we're allowing that peace to be stripped out of our lives with the constant worry about these things and i'm going to go ahead and start reading before i just keep babbling on and you know i'm going to give mikey a little bit to Get his two cents in because everybody says I talk too much on here. (laughs) So we're going to be in the 14th chapter of Matthew. And we're going to go to the 22nd verse. Now, Christ had just fed the multitude. um, And he's basically telling his disciples to go away and to go before him he wants them to just go ahead and go on cross the sea and go on without him he'll catch up to him later and this is where we're starting at and this the 22nd verse of the 14th chapter says and straightway jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitude away and when he had sent the multitudes away he went up into a mountain apart to pray and when the evening was come he was there alone But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou... Bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was came come down out of the ship, 
he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him, and said unto him, O thou of little faith, where's did thou doubt? And I'm going to stop reading right there. There's more to it uh, going in, but I want to focus on just a few key points to get the conversation, this podcast rolling. Uh, so they were out on the ship. They're waiting on Christ and everything. And it says in the fourth watch. So they set it up. This is later in the evening hours, almost morning hours is what I would say. Mm-hmm. And so they had to keep watch. They had to make sure, you know, no one was coming onto the ship. Um, you know, there wasn't anybody sneaking onto the ship. If a storm kicked up or something, or if they needed help, you know, if the ship started sinking, you know, somebody had to be watching. And when they see it, they see him walking and they began to, and they began to think it's a spirit at first. Now remember they were hard men because they were on the sea, but they were also very fearful of the sea. Okay. So they, you know, the sea was a strange place to them, so to speak or whatever. So they were afraid of a lot of things, but they see him and they begin to cry out for fear. But Christ answered them and said, it's him. And I want you to think about this for a minute. And I'm going to put this in perspective as a Christian. When things start to happen, we begin to cry out in fear. Do we not? Oh, yeah. You know, the first time we see a storm coming or we see trouble coming our way or things, we begin to cry out in fear. You think about times where, you know, you look at these people. uh, I'm just going to use it as an example because my father had it in that when when he was diagnosed with cancer and you first get that news, your reaction is to cry out in fear. Mm -hmm. You're afraid of it. So this is the first stage. And this is the stages that we go through as Christians, but we got to get to a point where we miss the last stage. And so Christ calls out to him and lets him know that he's right there. So all of a sudden, it doesn't say that they're afraid anymore. So now... They're emboldened, and aren't we this way as Christians? We're emboldened when we begin to cry out to God and we begin to feel his presence and that with us, even though we're going through this time, we're emboldened with it. Right. So Peter was emboldened, and Peter said, you know, Lord, if this is you, tell me to come out on the water. In other words, Peter's faith was so strong, he knew that if Christ said, come to me, he was going to get to walk on the water. Right. So Peter steps out because Christ told him to come, And then he starts to look around. Now reality starts to kick in. All of a sudden, he's in the storm. The waves start kicking up and everything else. And the Bible says that, but when he saw the wind boisterous, so he had to look around. He had to look at everything that was going on around him. Yeah, took his sight off Jesus. And he took his focus off of Christ. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is where we get at as Christians today. We start to worry about all of these things. And we're taking our eyes off of Christ. And we're sinking. We're sinking fast. And we get so caught up in what it does. In my personal opinion, I'm going to let Brother Mikey talk about these scriptures too here in a second before we go on to read the next verse, which I already had him look up. Um We allow it to steal the joy that we have with God because it directly affects our relationship 
with God. Mm-hmm. And then we can't be that peculiar person. No, that's that's right. And, you know, the thing about that is, is in our life, you know, we are taught by reading the Bible. We are taught mm-hmm. by Christ and by God that as long as he's in focus, everything's going to be fine. It's going to fall into place. Right. You know, and that's <clears throat> where Satan kind of comes in, right? Because if he can get you just to take your eyes off of Christ for a split second, then he's in the door, right? Mm-hmm. And before you know it, you're facing a totally different direction than what Christ is, you know, right. where he's even at. And <clears throat> you see, Christians get caught up in that, and they get caught up in it because, you know, I, I hate to give Satan any kind of credit because he's Satan, right? And mm-hmm. he's he's the, a liar and the father of it, but he knows exactly what he's doing. You know, he's been doing this for centuries. You know, he's been doing this forever. And a lot longer than me and you've been here, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's that's the point, right? He knows if he, he can't get you to fall on one thing, he can definitely probably get you to do it on another, right? right. He's going to keep prodding and he's going to keep, you know, the scripture that comes to mind to me is in Ephesians where it talks about the shield of faith, you know. It's got to be strong so that it can withstand the fiery darts of the, the wicked. What it's talking about is Satan tests the foundation of man, right? He, right. He's going to tempt you with pride. He's going to tempt you with greed. He's going to tempt you with all these different things. And eventually, he's going to find a crack, right? And that's because we take our focus off Christ. If we stayed focused on Christ, then we would know our weaknesses, and we would be able to strengthen those weaknesses. You see what I'm trying to say? Exactly. And that was with Peter, what happened to him, like you said, he got off. He was, and it makes me think about this. I don't mean to get kind of <laughs> wavy here, but it makes me think about it like this. When I was saved, I was eight years old uh, at Great Missionary Baptist Church, and I was on fire for a long time, probably right. at least five years. I was just on fire, ta- telling everybody about Jesus, you know. Jesus saved me, Jesus this, Jesus that. He's, you know, the way, the truth, the life. He's perfect in all these ways. And I would tell people that no matter where I was at. You fast forward about, you know, another four or five years, and my dad got ordained to be a deacon, and I was asleep in the back pew, right? Mm -hmm. Well, what had happened there? Well, I had taken my sight off Jesus, right? Right. And with Peter, that's a perfect analogy because... If he would have stayed focused on Christ, he would have got to Christ. And I believe he would have been able to walk back even, right? As long as he was focused on Christ. But Peter's that normal Christian. He's that normal person, Mm -hmm. right? And curiosity begins to kind of take effect. And as you're looking around and you're seeing this raging sea, mind you, he's a fisherman. He understands the sea, right? right? He understands that those waves are massive. Those can sink a ship. So in his carnal brain... He's looking around saying, oh, my gosh, where am I at? What?" Are, and then that fear takes over. The absence of faith is fear, right? Mm-hmm. You can't have both dwell in the same canvas. You just can't. That's that's a, a thing that we have to understand as Christians, that the stronger our faith is, the less our fear is, right? The more right. our fear is, the less our faith is. They can't inherit the same area. They can't. Right. Just like God and Satan, right? When Christ enters a room, Satan flees because he can't he can't dwell in the same area. Exactly. When Christ commands him to do so, right? That makes you think of I'll get one more. It <laughs> makes you think of David, right? When David right. stood against Goliath. My favorite scripture, probably one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible, is uh, the seventeenth chapter of Samuel, and it's the forty seventh verse. And it talks about, you know, Satan ran to meet the giant. 
or not Satan, I'm sorry, David ran to meet the giant, right? Right. He ran to meet Goliath. He wasn't afraid of him, right? Now, people, I've heard people say, well, he had to have some fear. Maybe he did. Maybe he did have a little bit of fear there, saying, you know, well, this is a big man. But he did not allow that fear to overcome the faith he had in God. Exactly. Right? He knew that God was going to prevail. And I, I believe that in my heart that if David met, if, I believe that David was willing to lay down his life to make the giant fall. And he didn't care how the outcome of that went because he knew God was going to make him fall. Right? Mm-hmm. If that cost him his life, the giant was fallen. And I believe, I believe that David had accepted that. Right? And right. had faith enough to know that God was going to prevail over this giant. Right. He he knew it from the beginning. And I, I like that you brought David up because it really does go hand in hand with this. Because David was in the right mindset in order to face Goliath. Yeah. And this is what us Christians have to do. We have to get in the right mindset. To, like with Peter. For him to walk on the water and to stay on the water, he had to be in the right mindset. And you can't let it slip. David never let that mindset slip. No. <laughs> the Bible says to be spiritually minded, not carnally minded. Absolutely. You know, so it's almost, it's a battle within ourselves also each and every day to maintain that spiritually minded. Because David, from the very beginning, you know, the Israelites were cowering in the tents and Goliath came and gave his big speech. And what was the first thing that David said? He said, who is this Philistine that denies the living God? Yeah, I think he took it personal. Yeah. See, he when he's seen these men cowering in their, their own fear and shaking in their armor, I believe mm-hmm. he took that personal. Right. And, you know, in my Bible, because I, I preached that message before, and I remember reading that verse that you're talking about, and mm-hmm. I wrote their call to action. Right. Right. And what that means is, is, is David, I believe, felt a call to action there. He's like, you guys are going to be cowards and, and shaking your armor. I'm not going to let this happen. Like, exactly. I'm not going to let this Philistine trot all over our Lord, right? And I believe he took that personally. I mean, cut right. you off. No, 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 you're, you're good because that's that's a major point in it. He did take it personally, and that's what I'm getting at. So he was so up in the spiritual side of things, you know, because David, when he was out taking care of his sheep and that, he spoke to God. He was close to God. Right. Uh, I believe God even said he was a man after his own heart. Yeah. Um, so, and he, he did make mistakes, but that's, again, he got away from that spiritual minded right. part. But at that moment, he was so spiritually minded. And when he looked and you know, this is how, you know, I actually somewhat kind of feel like David right now because I look around and I see the disheartenment of Christians. I see the breakdown. I see the fear creeping into them. And it bothers me, yeah. you know, and I, I think this is why I wanted to have this conversation today on the podcast, you know, with our first podcast back for a while. But, you know, it disheartens me that we're worried about things that we don't have to worry about. Mm-hmm. And why do we not have to worry about them? Because not only is God a provider, mm-hmm. but God said he was going to provide for all the things that we're worried about in today. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he said he'd never leave us. He'd never forsake us. He said that, you know, he'd always be he'd be with us to the ends of the earth. And, you know, you think about that and it goes so much more that he just didn't want you to know that he'd always be there for you. Yeah. But he laid it out specifically that, you know what, I'm going to take care of these things, too, that you might think is minor. And I know you got chapter six up, right? Yeah. 
Okay, so I want to go ahead, and this leads into that. I want you to go ahead and uh, start reading chapter 6. All right, chapter 6, and it's verse 24 through 34, and it says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment. Behold, the fowls of the air, for they, they, they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why can ye... And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. <clears throat> and yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? O ye of little faith, therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what, wherewith shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. All right. You got something you want to say to that before? Yeah, I mean, I, I think as Christians, we lose focus of this right here. And this actually kind of encompasses me a little bit. You know, we've slowed down quite a bit at work and stuff. And a matter of fact, it's about 15 hours a week that I'm losing, you know, mm -hmm. and it's really hurting right now it's really making right. me nervous it's making me uh uneasy you know because that's a pretty massive amount of money that i'm losing out on per week right right not one time in all of that did i think that god's going to take care of it i took it all on my own shoulders right and right. that's kind of what he's saying here is you know our god is great and what that means is he's not only great because he saves your sins, saves you from mm -hmm. your sin and gives you salvation, right? And, and right. has come to die on, on this earth for us and give us the way into heaven. But he's also great because he does legitimately love you and care for you. Mm -hmm. And what he's saying there is how much greater are we than a bird? Right. How much greater are we than a bird? We A bird thinks for nothing. It is a programmed it, it does its thing, right? It, it eats, right. it has babies, and dies. I mean, that's that's about all it does. And how much greater are we than that bird? But God still feeds the bird, right? Exactly. God still takes care of its needs, makes sure that it right. has food, makes sure that it's taken care of. How much more are we? We have a soul. God loves us and died for us. How much greater exactly. are we? And we like to look at the big picture. We like to lose focus. This falls right with Peter, right? Mm -hmm. Again, if you keep Christ in the focus, everything's taken care of. It's right. when we start looking at the things around us that severs that tie, 
right? Right. Yeah, you're still going to go to heaven. You're still, if you're saved, you're still going to be in the kingdom of God, right? But we structure our things on earthly things, and we should not do that. We structure our lives, right? Mm-hmm. I need the overtime. I need this. I need that. When God says right here, seek the kingdom of God first, and everything right. else is added. Right. I'm His the only thing that you need. That's yep. what he's saying. Yep. I'm the only thing. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Keep going. When you seek the kingdom of God first, you're building your riches in heaven, right? Right. What does that mean? You're, you're showing God in your life. You're seeking God out in every decision. Jake, mm. that's where I fall short sometimes. I make decisions sometimes off a whim. And oh, I, I do too, A lot brother. of times, Jake, I pay for that. Oh, I, I, I know, do. Brother. I pay for that. <laughs> you're not in that boat you know, at all, man. And I, I pray about things. I do. And there are some times that I'm just, I, I react and then I'm, I pray later. And that's not how it's supposed to be. I think of Nehemiah, Jake. Mm-hmm. Nehemiah comes to mind because, you know, he was a cupbearer for the most powerful king in the at, at the time, right? Uh, Artaxerxes or Xerxes or however you say his name. I call him Xerxes. I don't think that's exactly how you say it. But anyway, he was one of the most powerful kings of the time. And he got to a situation where, Nehemiah got caught in a situation where his family came to him and said, hey, you know, Jerusalem's getting destroyed and we need your help pretty much. And that's summing it up. And he's in a rock and hard place because he's now got to tell this king who's a pagan, who does not believe in in their God, Mm -hmm. that, hey, I got to leave a little while here and help my family. That king could have killed him. That king could have said, no, you're not leaving. If you try to, I'm going to kill you, right? Right. What did Nehemiah do? He prayed over every situation that came in front of him. When they, when his family came to him, the first thing he did was pray about it. Yep. He asked the first the Lord, thing he did. He asked the Lord to guide him in what he should do. That's it. You know. And when he went to build the walls, what did he do? He prayed. Yep. Every decision that he made, he prayed. And if you read Nehemiah, you find out that not only did the king allow him to go, the king gave him a free pass through all of the country, right? wrote to his his captains and said, hey, this guy's coming through your country. Don't stop him. Don't mess with him. Let him go. And then gave him access to their lumber. Right. And so, then, you know. How great is our God, Jake? You know, but yet it, I piddle and worry about 15 hours. Right. And we, we all do that. That was even me when I, when I was thinking of this scripture, I was doing the exact same thing. I was worrying about this and worrying about that. And what I realized when, you know, this verse with Peter and that came to me is, you're letting the waves take your focus off the main goal, yeah. the main person. You're taking your focus off Christ because you go back and you read that. The Bible says the waves were already kicking up before Christ even started to walk on the water. Yeah. So it's not like everything was calm and then Christ, you know, all of a sudden made the waves go up. No, the waves were already there, but they didn't mean nothing as long as Peter's focus was on Christ. Yeah. You know, as long as our focus is on Christ, we have to understand that God will provide for us. Right. He's going to provide for our needs. Now, it doesn't mean that, you know, I if my truck breaks down, you know, tomorrow morning, I'm going to wake up and there's going to be a Ferrari sitting out there. No, right. But he will right. provide me the ends of the means. You know, he'll give me the ability to either work and be able to afford to fix it or be able to find someone who can help me fix it to where... It can get me until I can, you know, get to my next paycheck or something. God will provide those ways, but we have to keep our focus on him. Yeah. And even these things, you know, with the inflation going on and baby formula and that, we have to understand that God will prevail and will provide 
for his people. And they're because, like you said, how much greater are we? Christ didn't come to die for the sins of the birds. He didn't. He came to die for our sins. That's how much he loved us, that he came to die for our sins. Right. And die one of the most gruesome deaths. But for some odd reason, and I'm speaking as guilty of this as myself, I'm not, you know, I won't call the kettle black. I will admit on this podcast, I will admit any time that I am just as guilty at some of the stuff that we talk about. But, you know, brother, and this is just the cold, hard truth. God's good enough to save our soul, but he's not good enough to put food on our table. Right. You know, that's how we act. That is how we act. And, you know, we need to be differently. And when I like what it talks about, because he says, let me get to where that verse is so I can actually say what it says before they start. uh... Okay. Lost my place here. Um... Where it's talking about the Gentiles. Oh, 32. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. Now, I want you to understand what is being brought about here. There's something that's being described. In other words, the Gentiles were a completely separate group. And yes, Christ did bring the Gentiles into the, the new covenant. And that that's not the point that's being brought out and being made here, though. The point that's being brought out and made here is the people that are separate from you are seeking for these things Mm. and they're trying to find a way to obtain them. But you as the chosen people of God do not have to worry about these things because he's going to provide for you. And this is how it's supposed to be as Christians. We are to be a peculiar people knowing God will meet and provide our needs. That's what sets us away from the rest of the world where everyone's scared about, you know, the food shelves being food shortages and can't find baby formula. And, you know, uh, work is not going as much as we thought. We're not getting the overtime in that, or, uh, you know, we're not, you know, making ends meet for some odd reason, or the vehicle broke down, or I just did this, or I just did that, you know, trying to better myself in that. And we lose focus and we start acting like the world because the world is always chasing after what it can obtain. Right. But God will give us everything that we need. Yeah. You know, there's not a time in my life where I've ever went hungry. There's not a time in my life where I didn't have a way to get to work, whether it be picking a ride from somebody or walking to work when i first got married i literally used to walk to bay corrugated until i bought my truck brother because my other truck wasn't running you know but god gave me a means and he provided for those needs and i was able to make it now was it sketchy a few times of course it was close I i was riding sometimes i was right down to the t but god still provided a way to make sure that my needs were met right you know i wasn't eating a steak every night right but I was full. You know, it's funny you say that because in my life, I've had some pretty rough financial situations happen mm-hmm. to me. And I'm not going to get into to detail about what had to happen. But about six years ago, we were in pretty bad straits. You know, me and Nicole were freshly married. You know, we've been married 12 years in August. But we were about halfway through that mm-hmm. right now. You know, we were still learning how to, to survive. You right. know, And some things had happened and... 
job or whatnot and it was just a mess and you know there was there was some situations where we didn't know where our next meal was coming from like we didn't have any clue and two separate times individuals you know one of them was a direct family member you know brought them into brought us into their house and emptied their whole freezer right into right into our car you know Mm -hmm. their whole freezer everything they had into our car and Another situation with somebody from the church that we were going to at the time surprised us and came over with a truck full of groceries, you know. And I say that because God knew what we needed, you know. Mm -hmm. But you got to be clear that God will provide your needs. It doesn't mean you always get what you want. Right, right. And we lost some things through that, some things that we wanted, some things that we had, you know. But we never went hungry. We never lost our shelter, our home. We never, any of that kind of thing, you know. And that's what you got to understand. It doesn't mean you go out and buy a Ferrari, you know, and your job tanks that you're going to get to keep your Ferrari. That's not what that means. But if you're a Christian and a child of God, you will eat. You will have a shelter. You will have the needs provided for you. And that's that's a beautiful thing. That that is something we should find refuge in. We should find peace in. Right. Right. Because... How many people are starving? Right. How many people are without, especially right now? You know, the formula thing bothers me. I listened to that today. I was listening to, mm-hmm. to some stuff, you know, the, the radio coming into work and stuff. And I was thinking about it after I read an article is what it was. And I was thinking about it on the way to work. And I'm like, you know, I wish that I could find formula and buy it and then just give it out to the people that needed it, you know. Right. Because those are babies, man, you know. Exactly. You and know? even though God made a way for the woman to feed the baby, not all of them can do that. Not all of them have that ability. There, there are different complications and right, things that happen. Right. And it's a scary thing. It's got to be scary. for the, mm-hmm. I have children, and I don't know how I would act right now if we had a newborn and couldn't find formula. You know what I mean? That would be a, a tragic thing. So it's easy to get scared. It is. It's easy to look at the these waves and the storm that's in your life because sometimes, Jake, they're massive. Right. They're things that you've never stood against before, you know. But you got to remember going into the storm that you are never in control of the boat. If you are, then you're going to sink. Right. You have to let Jesus be in control of the boat, right? Exactly. And it makes you think of that other scripture, you know, where he a storm comes up and Jesus is asleep on the boat, Right. And they're freaking. They've got the master of the universe, their savior, on the boat with them. And they're freaking, Jake. They're freaking out. They think they're going to die. Right. I mean, think about it for a minute. What's going to happen? Christ ain't going to die. You, th- you think that you're just going to get swept off the ship and he's going to be the only one left? Right, right. Christ <laughs> being there is going to protect you. That's, exactly. You know? But what happens? They were looking. These men knew storms. They knew this kind of thing. They were, you know, some of them were fishermen. And they knew this was a bad one. And yep. the boat's taking on water. And they're, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness. And they went and woke Christ up. And what did he do? He calmed it. Peace, be still. And then he said, you have little faith. Yep. You know what I mean? We have to start thinking, you know, that Christ is on the boat. If you're if you're a Christian person, Christ is on the boat. Man. Right. And he's, he's in the boat. Exactly. We got to remember that, you know. And I'm talking to myself here. Right. Because I've been down the last few months. Mm-hmm. I, I have. I've been... It's been oh, tough I've been, here I've been, lately. I've been there with you, man. And Trust I'm me. talking to myself when I say this stuff that Christ is in the boat. He's in the boat. He's right. never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake me. And I'm never mm-hmm. not going to eat. I'm never not going to 
have something for my kids. I believe that. Right. Then why do I get so afraid? Exactly. And it's because we allow the the waves to get our focus off of Christ. That's it. We allow our, you know, and I'm not, you know, trying to, maybe I'm going left field here, brother Mikey can pull me <laughs> back in if I am going right field. But, you know, it, when you think about it, it almost is like, how do I say it? It's, I'm just going to come on and say it. It's basically like we allow ourselves to be possessed. You know, it's a type, and don't get me wrong, and what I'm saying, I, I, I do, if you're listening and you want to know, I do believe in possession. I, and I believe it's in many ways. And I believe that's a form of it, because what has to happen in order for a person to become possessed? They have to get Christ out of the focus. Mm-hmm. Christ has to be out of the focus. If Christ is in the focus, it can't happen. And, you know, well, why do you say that? Well, because when he called out Legion, you want to know what they had to do? They even had to ask permission to enter into a swine, Mm. you know, an unclean animal at that time. Mm. They had to ask permission. Why? Because Christ was there. They had no power. When Christ was there, they had no power of their own. Mm. All they could do was what he commanded commanded and said that they were allowed to do. So what do they have to do? Um, Christ isn't going to just say, oh yeah, go ahead and enter it. You have to push Christ out of your focus. And how do we do that? We focus on the waves. Mm -hmm. We focus on everything else going on around us instead of realizing, like you said, Christ is in the boat. It's not going down. You know, you, you read in, I forget which book it is, but it talks about there was little ships also, but you know, and I, I just use this and I've preached this way before and you might've heard it preached differently because there's many ways you can take that part of the story. But you notice how it talks about the disciples in that made it to the other side. Don't say anything about the other ships. It doesn't talk about the other ships. Why? Because you know what? If Christ is in the boat, that ship was going to make it. Now, I'm not, you know, I've heard it preached where the other ships made it also because, you know, Christ is that powerful. I truly believe he is. But when I look at it, too, in that aspect, you got to look at it as if you're without Christ, you're sinking. Mm -hmm. That's all there is to it. You're sinking. If you're without Christ, because you know what? You can't find comfort in four or five dollar a gallon gas, eight bucks a gallon for milk. Three, four dollars for a dozen eggs. Yeah. You know, you can't find comfort in that without Christ. No. You know? No, it's pretty dire right now. It, it is. And as, as a Christian, you know, don't get me wrong. I look at the prices and I'm like, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely. You know, last time I bought a gallon of milk, I literally just shook my head and I was like, did I literally just pay six so, bucks for a gallon of milk? Yeah. And of course, I was at a smaller, like mom and pop shop so too. So I paid a little bit more. So I paid a little bit more, but, but still. it's like four something at Kroger yeah, right now. Yeah, even at it Kroger. was a dollar sixty nine. Exactly. Two years ago, a year ago, exactly dollar sixty nine. It's four something now. That's what I'm saying. Now it's four something a gallon of milk, and I'm like, you know, that's crazy. But at the same time, I can find peace in it because I know, you know what? It doesn't matter how high the price of milk goes. It doesn't matter, you know, how much eggs go up god will provide a way for me you know yeah. it might be it like might you be said, him buy giving, a chicken exactly buy a cow exactly you know <laughs> there's right. gonna be a way around it is your point that's the point i'm making there's gonna be a way around it he is going to provide a way now 
that way can be different for everyone and in many different shapes or form. Right. You know, maybe something will happen and I'll get lucky enough and I'll win the lottery. You know, maybe the Lord, maybe the Lord will let me win the lottery so I can show him that, you know, it's not going to change me, but wishful thing. Right. But no, what I'm saying is, is, you know, it might be in the form of a better paying job coming down the road. I mean, this time last year, I got into a situation where I wasn't happy at the place I worked and I got a better paying job that provided better me and my wife Mm -hmm. and you know it was a blessing and it came at the right time and the funny part about it is is i prayed about it and i didn't tell my wife about it that will get you in trouble uh, yeah, but yeah, my, my wife found out that i was going to this job interview and i told her she didn't even know i had the phone interview i told her hey i got an interview at this time and i hadn't discussed anything with her or anything and you know i was like we were talking about it and i was praying about it and i was like well what is it that would make me switch this job other than the fact that i'm not gonna have to work a sunday Uh and everything and i finally decided on that you know 17 dollars would be sufficient enough for me and i'll tell you what i started off as making because it goes with what i'm saying $17, $17, that would be enough for me to provide to pay the house payment to do this and to do that. And I got done with my interview and I thought it was going to be like a normal job situation where, you know, they're like, oh, you know, we'll get back to you in a couple days, you know, and everything. And the supervisor that hired me said, started to say this, actually, he actually started to say, well, I'll get back. And then he stopped himself and he said, you know what? I'm just going to make you an offer right now. Would you come here for $17 an hour? It was to the exact penny of what me and my wife had just discussed would be a wage for us to be able to get ahead on things and to do things and would be worth me leaving my other job. Right. You know, now he could have offered me anything else And I probably would have debated on it and that, and I probably would have talked to my wife a little bit more and, you know, told them. But at that moment, I accepted the offer Mm -hmm. because what were the odds that he was literally going to give me the exactly the amount that I discussed with my wife and what I needed. And the only person I talked about what needed to be, you know, what amount I needed to be making was me and my wife. Mm. It's not like unless he bugged my room or something, which... He would have not known. Exactly. There's no way he would have known unless it was from God. And that was God's way of providing me a way to put food on the table, make that car payment, keep, you know, the payment on the house. And, you know, am I sweating over it? Yeah. I sweat every day. There's no air conditioning in that place. You know, is it is it hard work? Well, my hands are calloused. Brother Mikey's covered in uh, soot and everything because he <laughs> welds there, uh, you know. It's, it's hard work. It's hard work. It's hard labor, but you know what? It provides, you know, it it's a, and it's how, why does it provide? Because God, that's what God has given us to provide. Yeah. You know, sometimes you have to do some work. Sometimes you have to do things that you don't like to do. 
is it too you know yeah i'm pretty sure that you know brother mikey doesn't like welding when it's 80 degrees outside right now oh yeah it was not fun today right all day and he's got long sleeves on and thick leather gloves i'm lucky enough i can at least wear a t-shirt uh you know when (laughs) i'm doing my part of the job but he's got to put long sleeves on and everything and it can be uncomfortable sometimes but you know what at the same time god didn't say it was going to be easy not once not once and i think that that's funny you say that too because I, I I think that people trip up on that they think that you get saved and you're in you're in the chips yeah. you know and hypothetically speaking you are in the chips you're gonna you're gonna receive heaven as your reward right absolutely you're in the chips but it does not mean you're not gonna get bumped and bruised around along the way right. it does not mean that in fact the Bible speaks contrary to that right you know that it, you said it it will rain on the just and unjust alike right right. What's that mean? There's going to be f- times full of tribulation, right? Mm-hmm. You quoted some in Romans there, you know, that, that or I quoted that part with Romans, you know, or, or, about um, counted as sheep for the slaughter. Right. You know, and then in John, it says, you know, in me, you might have peace, but in the world, you're sh- there, there shall be tribulation. Right. You're, right? you're going to go through it. And what's he say at the end of that? Well, be of good cheer because I overcame the world. Right. He's telling you. It's going to be hard, but be of good cheer because I can overcome that. I have overcome that. Exactly. And if you have me, you can overcome it, right? So that's I, – I, I think people get stuck on that. They, you know? they, they do. They, they because, think it's going to be a cakewalk. Yeah. yeah, and they always say stuff like, you know, well, if, if God was real, then why would this happen? Or if, if God loved us, then why would that happen? Because you're missing the whole idea of God's love, right? God's love was the sacrifice of Christ that gets you to heaven. God's love was the protection of you through this life, right? Start looking at the little blessings and stuff right. of your life. God – Satan holds dominion over the world. There's going to be mm-hmm. evil things all around you. Mm-hmm. There's going to be plenty of evil. And I'm not going to go where I want to go with that. Right. But you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, there, there's going to be evil. That I believe, I think Paul actually said where evil good is, or wherever good is, evil is also present. Right. You know, he's going to try to give you that doubt and everything. And we lose focus on it and we think that everything's going to be this okay and everything but we got to understand something as christians a we do go through these trials and tribulations but b also god doesn't want a machine no so he allows us to make our own choices and those choices i think the best way to put it um is the way scientists say it We'll, we'll get scientific here uh, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So when you do something, there's going to be a reaction. Mm-hmm. Now, the decision you make, it's either going to be a good one or a bad one. But we're still going to have to deal with it. And God's still going to love us. And he's going to help us through it. But he's going to allow us to walk through that door if we choose to. But he's going to put us back on the right path. He's going to get us around there. But we're still going to have to deal with that decision that we made. And we're going to have to pay for it. I'm a firm believer in that. You know, my papa used to say all the time, you made your bed, you lie in it. Absolutely. You know, and if you're anything like me and you're a stupid person like I am, <laughs> I make a lot of dumb mistakes. I do. I, make, I do too, brother. Sometimes I make the same one over and over again. Yep. You know, and 
I'm just being honest with you. There's there's decisions I made in my life. The financial thing I talked about, some of that was my decisions that I made in my life. And I had to live with them. I had no choice. God delivered me through it. No doubt about it. But I had to learn from what I did. You know, I had to, you know, you said something a long time ago. And I don't know if you said it on the podcast, but you said it, I think, to me. And you've, you've said it before many times. And it was, you know, God has a path that he wants us to take, mm-hmm. you know. He he has that path laid out for us. Does he know that we're going to make mistakes? Yeah, he does. He knows that we're going to, you know, choose a different path here and there. You know what I mean? And the point of that is, is you might choose that path. That's going to open up a different branch of your life that, you might not have went through if you would have stayed on God's path. Right. What do I mean? That's kind of what you say. Right. And what I mean by that is, you know, God's got this path laid out for me. I take a right, and now I run into financial turmoil. If I'd have stayed on the darn path, I probably wouldn't have ran into that financial. Well, not probably. I wouldn't have ran into that financial turmoil. Exactly. And the the uniqueness and the the majestic. The, the, how majestic God is with that, though, is when you take that right, he's already got a plan laid out for you. So that when you take that right and you make those dumb mistakes, mm-hmm. stupid like I am, <laughs> and you do those stupid things, once you deal with the repercussion of that, you learn something and then you're back on that path again. Right. And he always brings you back to that path. Right. And he says, you know what? Let's brush you off. Let's keep going. Right? Right. And then, like I said, if you're like me and you go three feet and you take a stupid left when you're supposed to stay straight, I run into more crap. And that's the way it works. God's got a perfect plan laid out for every person. It's a perfect plan because it's God's plan. Right. You mess it up. He don't. Exactly. We make the decisions to do it. But he still always gets us back to where we need to be. And as you were saying that, the only person I could honestly think of at that moment was Elijah. <laughs> it, 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 it is because I, I think about how, you know, he he had, he prayed, the fire came down and consumed the altar, man. They took the prophets of Baal down to the sea. They killed them. And, you know, he was right up there. I believe he was, he was feeling tough. Oh, yeah. He was like, look what my God just did. And then what did the queen do? She was like, I want his head. And what did Elijah do? He's like, Uh oh, oh, I need to get out of here. So he tucked tail and ran. Yeah. And, you know, and if he would have stayed, God was going to protect him. Literally, God just consumed a saturated altar. Yeah. And the Bible says consumed, which means it was like that. It wasn't like, you know, it kind of started to burn a little bit and then it dried out. No, it was gone. It was gone. It It consumed, it consumed the water water around it, everything. Trust me, this queen was not going to touch Elijah, but he got his focus off God. So he took off. So, you know, where, where am I getting at with this? Well, if you read the story, he went so far and then he, you know, went to sleep and God sent an angel to him. And the angel woke him up and gave him food and said, you know, eat because your journey is going to be long. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, and then he fell back asleep after he ate. Angel woke him up again and said, no, you, you got to eat. Your journey is going to be long. Well, what do you mean? What I'm meaning is he would have had a short journey if yeah. he would have just stayed and stood on God. But because he decided to make that left turn like we're talking about. He now had a long journey. To get and, back to where he was supposed right. to be. And you'll yep. see where he went all the way around. I mean, don't get me wrong. God showed him many things. God showed him, you know, you know, he said, I've got a thousand who've not bowed to Baal. 
You know, they've never even uttered his worship and that, and I believe that's also on that journey is also when he came in contact with Elisha and that if I'm not mistaken, I could be mistaken. So do not quote me on that. You know, it's been a while since I've been in that story, but where did he end back up? Right where he started from, where he ran from the queen and guess who was still there? Queen. The queen was still there, but guess who didn't have his head? The queen. queen. Yep. See, but God already told him, look, you took this path. I'm not just going to tell you to turn around and go back. You're no, going on you're a gonna, long journey. Now you're, now now you're, you're learning it. from it. Yep. And that's now. the way, that's the, that's the, and you know, a guy like me, you know, I turned 35 on Wednesday, right? I've been, I've been I know, I've been around it a little <laughs> right. while, right? And my point to that is, is I thank God for everything he's taught me. Right. Because Jake, my intention is never to go back to those things, you know. Right. Learn from it. And I'm glad that God loves us enough because he could just let you wor- uh, roll around in that misery for a little while and then just get you back mm-hmm. to where he's going and not teach you anything out of it. But he loves us enough to right. train us and teach us to say, you know what, that hurt, didn't it? You know. Exactly. I got a story for you and I'll, I'll shut up after this. I, <laughs> I'm just... I feel it today. Right. But I used to help my dad with a lot of stuff around the house. And mm-hmm. one particular story, we were building or replacing the walls on their tack room. My mom and dad had horses. They still have horses. I grew up with horses. And my dad was redoing the tack room. The tack room is where they keep all the horse supplies, right. the grain, the tack, you know, the, the reins, the saddles, that kind of thing. Right. And it was an outdoor building, and we were redoing the walls. And I was upset. Because I'm like, Dad, all I ever do, all you make me do is hold the wood. Hold the wood. Hold the wood. Hold the wood. And it was plywood that we were holding up. And he was nailing it in. I said, you never let me do the fun stuff. You never let me nail. I already see where this is going. Yeah. <laughs> well, he says, all right, you want to nail? He's like, I'll hold the wood. Go ahead and nail. I put the, the nail in there, man. I tap it to get it ready. And I swing. And I hit everything but the nail. <laughs> and what I did was is I smashed my thumb so bad that it blew my fingernail out. It blew it out. I'm about... Eight to ten years old. I'm in agony, crying, hurting. And you know what my dad said to me? He said, It hurt, didn't it? <laughs> <clears throat> yep. Because I didn't let him show me. Mm-hmm. I complained. I yep. complained and complained. And finally, he's like, All right, learn this lesson on your own. Exactly. You know? Right? Because my dad's intention, knowing my dad the way that I do now and that I am a dad, was to get it held up with a few nails and then let me drive a few in, right? With him showing me. But instead, I'm complaining. Dan, you never let me do the fun stuff. And what happened? I blasted my thumb and I paid for it. Oh, yeah. For about two, three weeks. My thumb was huge. <clears throat> lost my nail. I never asked him to hit another nail, though. <laughs> and we still got the shed doors up or the walls up. And we still got the barn done. And by the end of it, I was hammering nails like a pro. Right. Because I let my dad show me how to hammer nails. Right. Same concept. It is. It is the same. It is the same concept. It's I believe the, sometimes God says her, didn't it? Yeah, I think. I think He does. I think He really does. It's like you know, sometimes you know, I, I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. I feel like you know when I get into that and I kind of get my eyes off. You know, I start looking at the waves and things, and then I develop my plan. You know, because me and you, we're, we're kind of the same in that aspect. We we develop a plan. Okay, we're we're gonna. This is how we're gonna attack this. Yeah. And, you know, I can just picture, you know, God up looking at us, listening to us, and then just flat out start laughing. Yeah. 
He's like, like these idiots. right? He's like, <laughs> but it, and you know the funny part is, is he might be laughing, but he's also giving us those little hints that like I wouldn't do that if I was you. Boom! Ow! Yeah, you know, that. yeah, like you know. Like, you think about it, like, with, you know, sometimes when you touch something that's hot or, you know, yeah. uh, you know, me with, uh, I'll give you one of my stupid moments, uh, nine volt battery. And my dad was like, I'm like, well, how do you know if it's good or not? And he's like, well, put it on this, you know, you could touch it with your tongue, but I wouldn't recommend that. And instead <laughs> of listening to the, I wouldn't recommend that. Zap. I listened to the, you can test it with your tongue. And my tongue was numb for a couple of hours. And afterwards, my dad is literally laughing. He thought it was hysterical. And he literally looked at me and he was like, what I was going to say is, I've got this little tester right here. All you got to do is plug the battery in and it'll tell you if it's charged or not or if it's a dead battery. You know, if I'd have just waited for, and that's how we are with God. If we would have just waited just a few seconds just more hear him out, and hear him out, yeah, we probably would be like, you know, because God's up there telling us, he's like, he's just like, our, he is our parent. He's our father. He's up there saying, I wouldn't recommend that. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to tell you not to do it because you got to make that decision on your own. But I highly recommend. You go this way. Do this. Yeah. You know, over here, you know, it's like. There's a big sign that says, do not enter. And all we want to do is enter. And it's kind of like, or we do the opposite of what we're told. We were talking about this at work today before I left because I left early. But uh, we were talking about it. And he was like, have you ever noticed? Because when people drop a tool or something, they always say, heads up. And he's like, but everyone instantly at that moment looks up. You, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. think about it. If somebody says heads up, the first thing you do is your reaction is to look up. But you think about it. I just want you to understand something. Your skull is one of the hardest parts of your body. Okay. Your head can take a beating. It can't take a lot of beating, but your head can take a few good licks. Okay. Even when you start talking to boxers and that, they'll say the head is the hardest part of the body. And... What do you do? You take the hardest part and you look up and you get slapped in the softest spot because your nose breaks the easiest. Everybody always ends up getting their nose broke or close to it. So, you know, that's how we are. You know, God's over there. He's like, yeah, heads up. And instead of just ducking and trusting what God's saying, we got to look up and get slapped right across the face. You know, and... As Christians, this goes with the whole thing with uh, Peter. Christ literally said to him, come unto me. Come to me. In other words, just look at me and just walk to me. But Peter's out there. You know, I feel like he was, you know, feeling 10 feet tall. He's walking on water. I mean, who wouldn't feel 10 feet tall when they walk on water, you know? And he's walking out there, and I he got a little curious as to what's going on. You know, he's a fisherman. Maybe he's seeing, you know, 10-pound bass. Maybe that was his <laughs> distraction. But he starts looking, and then he's like, oh, that's a really big wave. And, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he starts to sink. And this is the last part of the scripture that we read that I want to hit at. When we were sinking... It says that God wrenched out his hand. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna read that part just to. While you're clear. finding that, you know, you're talking about uh, 
how we look up when they say heads up and stuff. It makes me think of those flies and those zappers, right? They, yep. they can't help but to fly into them. And there's a right. movie when I was a kid called The Bug's Life. <laughs> and there's a part on there where there's these two flies and they're flying don't by. And he's like, Charlie, fly. don't look at the light. He's like, I can't help it. It's so beautiful. Right. Exactly. It's exactly what we are, man. You know, and you hear it go, and the dude, it falls, you know, and it's like, right. that's, that's what we do. We just, I can't help it. It's so beautiful. <laughs> Right. And it says, And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him, and said unto him, O thou little faith, wherefore did thou doubt? In other words, at what point did you start doubting me? Yep. You know, I've already done all of these things. You were at, already walking on the water. Exactly. You were already on the water. At what point did you start, did these waves all of a sudden become so much that you lost your faith in me? Yep. And, you know, but... What I really want to focus on is you got to understand something as a Christian. God is going to let us learn. God is going to show us and make us take the long way. Mm-hmm. But he's not going to let us sink. No. At not one point in the scripture does it say he just held his hand out. No. In the scripture, if I'll read it again so we can all be clear on this one. It said... But when he saw the winds boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. Mm -hmm. In other words, Christ ain't going to let you go down. If you are his, he's not going to let you go down. You know, I believe he let Peter get a little bit past waist high because he wanted Peter to understand. You know, they had to... Figure it out. You know, we were talking about the storm and it, it, it's a joke that I, I used to tell people that, but it's kind of true. You know, you're, you're going to have to understand and figure out what you did. Mm-hmm. He's going to let you learn from your mistakes. You know, the disciples, he said, peace be still. You know, he calmed the winds, the waves, everything. Now, brother, nowhere in that story do I say, do I see where they actually reached their destination when he calmed it? So the only other way, if there's no wind and there's no waves, the only way that boat's moving is if they personally rode it. So I bet you they were tired disciples for waking Jesus up from his nap. But <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't going to let him. That. He wasn't going to let him go down. But you know, sometimes when you lose your faith, you put yourself in a worse position than what you were in in the first place because True. they were already with Christ. You know, a ten foot wave can push a boat pretty far. A lot further than a guy rowing it. Not sure. <laughs> but, you know, that it's just a joke. But it just goes to show you, and what point I'm trying to make is, God will not let you down. He will not let you fail. No. He will always provide for you. Do we take the long way around? Yes. Do I do it myself? Yes. Do we get caught up with the waves? Yes. But as Christians and in these times, we need to stop looking at the waves. And just focus on Christ. Because why? Because you know what? You can argue with me. We can debate it. You know, the Bible says to look. You'll see the signs. There'll be distress in the heavens. Um, There'll be all these things that'll happen in the end of times and everything. And I'm not here to prophesize or to try to tell you, oh, the world's going to end in this year and at this time or whatever. You know, that that's above my pay grade. Uh, you know, God's a lot higher than me. That's that's his domain. You know, he said he's the only one that knows. I'm going to let him deal with that one, okay? I'm not going to pry into it. I'm not going to be like, well, you know, Lord, can you give me a month? 
Um, he'd probably tell me the month in Greek or Hebrew and I wouldn't understand it anyway. <laughs> but, you know, that's his domain. But I will say this. If I truly believe that we're living in the end days, why would I not try to lead them to Christ? Right. Why would I not try to prophesize? And I seen something. Don't make fun of me on this podcast. I'm going to say this and I'm going to shut up and let Mikey close or whatever he wants to do. He can add to it. But I was watching TikTok. Don't make fun of me. Mikey can't make fun of me because he sends me TikToks. But <laughs> and it was by an atheist. And it was, I forget who he was. He's like a magician, comedian guy. And he said that, you know, this fan came up and gave him a Bible and began to tell him about God. And he wasn't angry with the guy because that's what he believed in. And he said, if you believe in something, then you got to tell it. You got to share it because, you know, if you truly believe in something, then you got to let that person know or else, you know. But then he went further and he said, how much do you have to hate somebody that if you truly believe the world is going to end, if you truly believe that, you know, hell awaits them, how much do you hate them not to tell them about it? And, you know, as Christian, and I thought about that, and it's like, man, it's true. as a Christian, I need to be as a believer of God and being born again, I should be wanting to tell everybody and not just wanting to tell everybody, but to live my life in a way that reflects him. Right. And that just doesn't come from going to church on Sunday. Um, you know, there, there's a saying, I think you posted it on Facebook one time or you just recently posted it. I don't keep track of dates, but it, it says, don't go to church, be the church. Yeah. You know, your daily walk has to reflect it. And that comes into when people are talking about these food shortages and that, Hey, let me tell you about this man named Jesus, because you know what? Cause this man named Jesus, not worried about $4 milk. Because yeah. this man named Je- this man named Jesus, I'm not worried about four dollar eggs. I'm not worried about these shortages because of a man named Jesus. You see what I'm saying? Because we need to take that. Because how can we sit there and tell somebody you got to trust in God? But we're sitting there going, man, how am I gonna make my house payment? Yeah. How am I gonna, man? Not trying to make him feel bad or anything. <laughs> Mikey just ripped his jeans while we were installing a mailbox. <laughs> yeah. Mikey, Mike, Mikey can't sit here and tell me not to worry when he's over here thinking, man, how am I going to be able to afford a new pair of pants? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, but you see, you know, I'll just wear them to work. Right. See, so just put some, well, what's, what's, the, what's the go-to with us? Just put duct tape. On yeah. It. Oh yeah. yeah I duct know? tape everything. Right. <laughs> but, but the point I'm making is, is, you know, we stress over the littlest of things and God tells us not to stress over it, but how can we tell people that God is so great and he's going to provide all our needs when we're sitting and worrying about the needs that we have needed and providing, Right? you know, we can't be a witness. We can't be a witness in the grocery store when we're walking around and we're all bummed out and people are looking at us and we're like complaining because of the price of groceries. I'm bad for this. I complain about the price of groceries all the time. 
I complain about a lot of things. I complained when they put the arrows down that you had to go in one direction. So I started walking the opposite direction in the arrows. But my point is, is when we start to act like that, we can't truly reflect Christ. Because what's going to happen is Satan's trying to keep them away from God. That That's his goal, is to keep people from coming to Christ. So he's going to point out your doubt, your fears. You know, you tell somebody to fear not, you weren't given a spirit of fear, and then you're over here worrying. Worrying's a form of fear because mm-hmm. you're afraid about something. Right. So how can, and that's the thing they're going to pick up on. That's what they're going to see. That's why you have to be spiritually minded. You have to get everything worldly out and get back into Christ. See, we don't have a worldly problem. We have a heart problem. Yeah. That's our problem. Oh yeah. And it starts with the Christians because we're the ones that know better. We do know better. Yep. You know, I can sit here and we can go for another whole two hours and we can talk about Roe versus Wade. You really want to sit and hear a podcast, we'll do one on abortion. And it'll probably go for three days straight. But, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, that, that's oh, yeah. one thing that, you know, I, I cannot stand. But it just doesn't do enough to, you know, sit there and be like, well, it's one of God's laws. Thou shalt not kill. You know what they're going to say? Well, God told you not to worry. Yeah. And what are you doing? Yeah. So how much do you, do you only trust God and obey God in this aspect, or you get what That's I'm so saying? That's so true, man. You you, point that out. Exactly. But the thing is, is we got to get rid of that, mm-hmm. and we got to get rid of how we, the way we walk and the way we talk that isn't godly. And how do we do that? We start filling our heart back up with Christ. Right. It's a heart problem. The people in the world that are thinking it's okay to do things that are against God, it's a heart issue. Right. You know, us Christians, and I hate to say this, can have heart problems. Yeah. And I'm not talking about mine and Mikey's high cholesterol. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about heart problems with, you know, warring with, you know, how much Christ gets and how much we want to save for our own self because right. we're not supposed to, but right. we do it. Right. That's the problem. Yeah. And in order to, I believe Christ said it, I'm going to say this, I promise I'll shut up. But I believe when he was talking to his disciples, one of his parables in that, he used the word fool, which is a very big thing if he uses it. Um, And it's talking about pulling the moat out of your brother's eye. And he basically calls them a fool that they're trying to pull. We're trying to fix the hearts and minds of the world. But we got to fix our hearts and minds first. Yeah. We got to get ourselves back on that path. Yeah. You know, All take right. take the long journey. God will provide lunch. He, he fed Elijah twice. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> but we got to get back to that path. And when we get back to that path, that's when we're able to do things and change. Right. You know, and I'll let you go ahead and close or whatever you want to say. Well, I think we just go to the Lord in prayer because I've said everything I think I need to I, say. I so. feel content, yeah. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our most personally, Father, God, we thank you for all that you've done for us, Lord God. We thank you for the many blessings in this life, God. We thank you for letting us co- come together for this podcast again, Lord. We know sometimes it's a struggle, Lord, and we thank, we're thankful for every time we get to. In Jesus' precious name, we ask these things, and amen. All right. 
This has been Two Preachers and the Truth. Uh, until next time, I'm going to close this just a little bit differently because one of our listeners made mention of it. So, And joking about it because I'm always using uh, wrestling references. So this has been Two Preachers and the Truth. That's the bottom line because Reverend Jacob Walker said so. Ha, ha, ha.